Welcome to the Wonder Woman Club podcast. We bring you conversations that will inspire, empower, and educate you to thrive both in business and in life. My name is Vash Naidu, and I'm your host, an intuitive fempreneur coach and the founder of the Wonder Woman Club, a global community of phenomenal women doing phenomenal things in the world. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Wonder Woman Club podcast. Today, we have a very exciting guest. I'm personally excited to talk to Mahita, who is um, a fountain of so much knowledge. She is a psychotherapeutic counselor, a life coach, and she also um, specializes in photosynthesis psychology. So that's a whole mouthful, Mahita. I'm so, so thrilled you've joined us today. And I would love for you to tell us a little bit about your journey. I know you started um, your life in Lebanon. So tell us a little bit there, and then we'll go into more detail about everything else. Sure. Thank you for the introduction, Vash, and thank you for the invitation. I'm very excited to be part of your, your podcast. Um, yes, I was born to a Lebanese father and a Spanish father in Beirut, Lebanon. And to, you know, my father's side of the family is very artistic. My father was a painter himself. He passed away two years ago. We have a lot of musicians and artists in that side of the family. Um, and my family's always been quite dispersed, primarily because of the war in Lebanon. Um, that had a lot of people leaving Lebanon for safety, and also because I'm half Spanish, half Lebanese. Um, so my life has been really spread about uh, across the, the globe. Um, I've lived many years in the UK, in London, I've lived in Spain, in Tunisia, in the UAE for many, many years, in Germany, uh, and in Cyprus, and most recently in Spain. So I'm currently based in Madrid, in Spain. Yeah, and I know your journey, you know, you started in all these different countries, but you also started your career in a very different field. So tell us what was that like and how, how did you get to this place where you are right now? Because it's, it's very different. It is indeed. Well, um, my journey started, well, my academic journey, let's say, started in history and archaeology, actually. Um, I wanted to be in the creative arts from the beginning, but my parents didn't think that I was convincing enough that I was ready. And I went into university at a time where the Lebanese Civil War ended and we were back in Lebanon at the time. And there was a beautiful uh, movement of excavation and conservation of the country that was taking place. So it was an incredible archeological movement. It was very, very exciting. So I went to study that. Um, and then I ended up excavating under the green line that separated West Beirut from East Beirut which is my city. So it was a very, very interesting and touching moment to be involved in that. After that, I graduated and I moved to the UK, to London, where I got into the arts immediately. And I worked in generally always international cross-cultural arts, uh, always around, uh, you know, changing the image of some misunderstood cultures. Um, and then also moving to contemporary arts but again, always to do with misrepresented communities. I worked in many, many arts organizations. And then I moved to the Gulf. I mean, I did lots of projects around the world in the meantime, you know, festivals, uh, a lot of in what used to be called world music, you know, so music from non-Western background, let's say. Um, and um, yeah, I worked on, 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 I mean, it's 25 plus years of, of experience, you know. In the Gulf, I was involved in developing museums and art strategies. And the idea was to, you know, to educate this kind of very young population um, and to really get an Arab participation in the international art sector around the world. 
So yeah, very exciting times as well. Um, I still continue actually today to do a little bit of art, you know, a little bit of curating, a little bit of art strategy and consulting. But I have always been, you know, what I what I describe as a, as a bifocal person. I've always looked at the surface and the depth in people and in everything. It's something that runs in my family. My parents have always been quite critical thinkers, but also I had an affinity for, for the human experience. So I've always been quite psychological in my approach to things. And many years ago, 20 years ago, in fact, I actually tried to leave the arts and move to psychology and psychotherapy. And I did my first year in actually psychosynthesis psychology, which is what, I, what I'm doing now. But I had to leave it because of personal circumstances. But funny enough, when I left the Gulf about four years ago now, I went back into uh, psychotherapy. I put, you know, the cultural world to one side and I'm now fully, fully in that. Um, yes. So that's how I became a, a psychotherapist, a counselor and a life coach. That's such an amazing journey because I can imagine like, you know, going into something like art and being so involved in especially like the high level strategy and and being involved in bringing the Arab art to the world in a different way. And all of those things are passionate um, projects. You know, it's not just something you do as a day job. It's really passionate. So I would I would have asked you, did you give that up completely? Because I personally would have found that quite hard to like set aside that and then move into the space. And and I totally appreciate that that inquisitive nature around the human experience and not just the surface level. And for for our listeners, tell us what is um, the psycho um, or the uh, psychosynthesis um, psychology, what that is, and how you have implemented that in what you do now day to day. Yes. Well, psychosynthesis uh, psychology is a very beautiful, humanistic, heart centered spiritual psychology. Um, it's very holistic in its approach. So it's conceived of the human being as primarily a spiritual being. And so in that sense, it's very holistic because some psychologies really are very much rooted in the past, in the unconscious. Some are very pragmatic, very behavioral oriented. Uh, some are very trauma focused. Really psychosynthesis is really very integrative in that sense it's rooted in psychoanalysis so it has you know it kind of uses a lot of that the work of freud and jung and that kind of history but also that spiritual element is what makes it so different and, and the holistic dimension as well so it, it was founded by an italian called Asagioli. um and it really, you know, some of the, the practices, some of the models that we use are actually quite Buddhist in a way. Some are, um, yeah, are very embodied. You know, embodiment is a, is a very current uh, movement in, in psychotherapy and in healing nowadays. But it's something that's very also part of, of uh, psychosynthesis, you know, in the sense that the mind... Uh, the body, the feelings, the spirit, these are all dimensions that we work with, every, you know, all the time with clients. Um, so, yes, I'm not sure what else I can say, uh, you know, without complicating the matter too much. But I think that's a, that's a good kind of starting yeah. point. That's perfect. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's just... Just hearing you explain it in that way, it's so encompassing of um, the spiritual experience. 
And um, like you said, there's there's some sometimes there's that disconnect with different elements to it, like the trauma or um, the the conscious and the unconscious. And I think that's super like it's super important to know that we're not disconnected beings. Everything within us is actually very connected. Yes. And I love that this is something you know. I'm I'm so thrilled about the subject. Truly, um, I love that. So yes. I know you focus with certain areas that you know I, I'd love to go deeper into, mm -hmm. and it's all about the self, right? Which is our spirit, our higher self, conscious self, unconscious self, whatever we want to term that. But it's the self. And when you work with individuals and you've experienced this in your own journey as well, what does what is self-alignment and how does one go about becoming aligned? Because we live in a world where there's so much that's going on all the time. We have so many different hats that we wear. We feel pulled in so many different directions. And this, the self, what is the self? What is self-alignment and how do we find that alignment? Well, that's a very complicated question, uh, but that is the question, you know. Yes. And it kind of remains a bit mysterious in a way, even, even if we have a definition for it in our work. The self is, you know, so, so the belief in psychosynthesis is that we are all part of, of the higher self, you know, and when I say that it's not a dogma, so it, it is not a religion, you know, for example, practitioners of psychosynthesis and even clients who, who go to, uh, to be supported by psychosynthesis guides, so either a therapist or, or a life coach, uh, they can be practicing their own religion, or they can be secular, you know, non practicing or atheist. So, so it's not a dogma. But there is a, a, a core belief in that practice, which is that we are all, we are spirit in matter. And that spirit that is in all of us, you, myself, everybody, is, is a portion of, of the self, the self that animates everything, of this life force. And we are incarnations of that. So we, we, we come here in this earthly dimension this concrete dimension, uh, really, you know, our experience is our soul's journey. So, so there's the notion of a soul's journey here, which is also part of the psychosynthesis narrative, if you like. And this soul's journey is really the story of our life, if you like, how we are born, what we are born into, and what we are born from. So our ancestors, our lineage, our parents, the history of our family, and all the experiences, the light and the shadow in that inheritance. And then our own, you know, what, what happens with us and what we bring to life here, what we encounter and how we get over it. The mechanisms of survival that we end up developing from when we were conceived up to a certain age. And then potentially the moment where we come to realize that here I take responsibility for my life. And that's generally when people go to therapy, you know, and they say, okay, this is a chapter. This has been a long chapter of my life. I feel there's something here. I'm up against something. I'm not sure how to move forward. Something needs to be worked out. And for us, this moment is really when the self is starting to, to itch, to be expressed, to come out, to take stock of all of that inheritance that I've described, and also the moment where we find ourselves. And that can say, okay, this could be a moment of taking stock, taking responsibility for, for everything, understanding that I've been in a survival mode, because this is what we all do. We come as children, not really having choice, right? Because we do not choose our culture. We do not choose which part of the world we're gonna be born in. Are we born in a war zone? Are we born 
without a land? Are we born um, within an indigenous culture that is not allowed to, to have its rights today? Are we born in North America? Are we, you know, all of these things really condition our experience and we don't choose them. What kind of family are we born into? Are we born to a single mother? Are we born to a very conservative family in a Muslim environment? Are we, you know, what, what is it? A Catholic family, uh, uh, you know, very liberal environment, a very business oriented environment. All of these things influence. And then we go into school, we go into a certain type of education, or we don't. All of that up to a point, and then some of us have the choice to do something around taking stock and starting to make choices around, okay, I will take responsibility, I will heal. Healing, you know, again, it's around the wounded part of all of that trajectory. And as I do that, I then allow myself to have a choice. And, and this that, that I'm describing to you, Vash, is the unfoldment of self. That, it's exactly that. You know, because self is in the wounds as well. And self is, you know, it is the, this journey of the soul at the core of it. There, there is self, self that's trying to be incarnated. So if the, if the healing happens, then the individual starts to really be able to make a choice to not be in survival mode anymore you know, be defended or having to be compelled to live a certain role in order to satisfy the needs of a family, the obligations within a certain culture, etc. So we make choices and then, and then the moment of self-realization, if you like, starts to kind of unfold and open up and begin. But when I talk about healing, it's not a journey that starts and ends. It's not like, okay, so I do the healing from this moment to that moment over years, let's say. And then I start to self-realize and then I'm self-realized. It's not quite like that. It really is a practice. So this kind of healing, healing attitude to life, that's just, that's just a lifestyle, you know? And that's how also we, we kind of conceive of it in psychosynthesis. It's, you know, it's consciousness arising and living consciously then on. We will always re-encounter triggers and fall back into rabbit holes. All of these things will happen. And new traumas might occur even after a long journey of healing. Life carries on. But there's this perspective and this attitude to life around living consciously, being awake, awake. Um, and this unfoldment that never, 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 never ends. That is amazing. Um, I've written so many notes and so many questions just from that. Um, <laughs> When, when you talk of the, the process, the unfoldment, I love that term, the unfoldment of self. Yes. Um, we, you, you know, you mentioned we, we were born in different circumstances. Like we, you know, um, I was born in Africa. The opportunities I had is not the same as someone that was born in the UK. And so there's these different um, journeys we've been on. And we always look at, um, you know, the limiting beliefs, the things that hold us back, and they start to form within us through our experiences. And so when you talk of self, how do you work around, you know, the person A is deciding to make, um, they've made that decision for themselves to start to look at themselves, to start then that journey, what that looks like, and then to start taking responsibility, which is a hard decision in itself to make. But then it's this whole um, process of recognizing the beliefs that I have, the, 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 the cultural, societal, religious, all these different things have been placed upon me. 
and not because people were being nasty or horrible. It was just the the position I was born in in my life, whatever that role was. And then how does what does that look like when someone is going through this journey of understanding how those beliefs have shaped them? And then there's a self-realization part, which is at the end of this tunnel. But what's it like through that tunnel? What does that look like? Mm. You know, some of my teachers call it organized suffering. Wow. You know, and the, wow. and the organized part is that we create this therapeutic alliance between the therapist or the life coach and the client. And it is within that space that becomes the organizing container for that for that accompaniment of this journey. Uh, the journey can be, it is beautiful. It is beautiful because you are seeking to connect with yourself increasingly. You are seeking to pay homage as well to your life thus far. And also to connect with the wider context of your existence. So your family, ancestors, your lineage, your culture. There's so much reverence being paid in that process that yes, it can be painful, but it's also absolutely beautiful. And it honors, it honors a journey. And it's a moment of really, of reckoning, of taking stock and of honoring what has made me who I am today. You know, there's a lot of, so, so a part of it is really painful, emotional. Uh, also, it can be confusing, especially when, when a person hasn't had therapeutic experiences before or really hasn't gone into depth. The beginning, you know, it takes time to really settle into this process. So the beginning can be can feel awkward. It really depends on the individual. It can feel awkward because you might come to the session thinking, what's expected of me? I have to perform. And actually, it's exactly around undoing those conditioning, especially in that particular space. You come as you are with what you're with, and we work it through together. And there's a lot about being with, being with what is being with it. So it's around learning to hold everything that is who you are, learning to hold the pain, learning to hold, learning to live with, you know, and, and it's that learning to live with that will stops the repression, it stops the repression. So things stop acting out in your life without you understanding why, 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 do, why, am, why am I angry? Why do I jump at situations? Why do I disappear? socially? Why do I avoid? So, you know, all of these things are just coping mechanisms. So mm -hmm. through learning to be with those things, and it takes a little bit of time, we start to embrace. And this is this, this psychosynthesis part, the synthesis part is around reclaiming those parts, bringing them back, embracing them. So it's not around pushing away or letting go, let go of that, you know, because there's a lot of, let's move on. I'm going to move on. I'm going to let go of things. I want to get rid of that. It's exactly the opposite of that. It's actually, let's go in. Let's go into that. It's telling us something. There's a pattern in your life. It's speaking of something. There's a pattern. The pattern itself is trying to illustrate something for you around what is trying to be healed. That is what the pattern is. So let's look at that together. Um, and the sessions are, you know, how is that process? The sessions are talk therapy primarily. But there's a lot of, uh, you know, every practitioner has a different approach. I mean, yeah, I call it an art form. We all develop our own practice. And so I bring to it many, many things. You know, we can abstract and stop talking sometimes and do guided meditations. We can use writing. We can do role playing. There's so many, so many things that come into it. And honestly, you know, every practitioner has have their own platform and their own art form, which is what I, I love about that practice. Um, yeah, so 
and, and this this uh, you know there's there's another teacher which calls this as well you know he says because there is a lot of um, labels you know I have PTSD or I have you know I'm bipolar there's all of these terms that for some people you know it might be useful uh, but generally the way that we look at it is that you know we, we're all suffering from a broken heart ultimately you know and also we're suffering from wounds that have been coming down generations and have not been really confronted and heard um, and so You know, looking looking at these, like I said, it's a touching thing, but slowly, slowly with this therapeutic alliance that starts to deepen, it's really the relationship between the client and the therapist. There's a sense of safety, and, and that's the most important thing. There's a sense of safety here in this space, and I can slowly bring more and more. And so the conversations become, yeah, very profound, very meaningful. And you can start to make changes in, in actual field. Your life starts to look different. It's, um, you know, it's, there's so many things you've touched on. It's, it's like the Rumi quote, the wound is where the light enters. Mm. And I think only the courageous will step into that wound to see the light. Um, because it is so easy to repress and it is so easy to be on that track and not recognize that we need to get off that track to live a far deeper, more meaningful life because yes. we keep on... We keep yeah. on doing what is expected as opposed to what is required within ourself mm -hmm. to show up and be who we were meant to be as opposed to the version others expect us to be. Yes. And I'm sure like you, I have met so many people on this journey. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people like I myself have been on this journey and I have not recognized it as psychosynthesis psychology. And I've been on this and I actually work with people on this journey, not recognizing this is what it is. Mm -hmm. And you know, that this, this process of the reclaiming, um, I love that term because we are reclaiming yeah. ourselves. Yes. For those that are listening and aren't actually seeking or speaking to someone and are going through this themselves, what would be your key tips on how to facilitate it for themselves? I know I always recommend people speak to people. If you're a coach, get a coach. It doesn't mean you have to coach yourself. If you need therapy, go for therapy. But we also do a lot of this work ourselves because that's the commitment. The commitment is to ourselves. So what would you say are good home practices for people to reclaim themselves? Mm. That's a really beautiful question because it's true that a lot of this work can be, can be started at least uh, you know, by ourselves. There's a lot of, I mean, the, the main thing that comes to mind is support. Support yourself in that process. So how can you support yourself in that process really depends on, on, on the different characters. But there are things like being in supportive environments. So starting to create space within your life. That could look like, you know, cutting out an hour, however long you can, within a day, within a week, that is just for you to just be present to yourself. And that could look very different to different people. For some people, it's going for a run, you know. So for some people, it's being in nature, being in my own garden, being with my pet, but literally just me and none of my coping mechanisms, watching stuff, being on social media, um, comfort eating, uh, you know, watching TV. So, so trying to avoid escapism try to bring presence and that often is better done especially in the early stages with some support so with a pet it can be beautiful if you have a pet in nature running listening to music just doing something that you love a little bit of yoga 
uh, meditation if it's something that you do, you know, but, but the idea is writing, actually journaling can be a really nice, simple way. The main thing is to think not big projects. I'm not here trying to achieve something big because if I'm saying today I'm going to start a journal and I'm going to be doing this journal every hour at eight in the morning at my desk journal. I have to meditate and meditation looks like that and I have to do that. A lot of us tend to go into it like this and what we end up doing is we're still in our patterns. It just looks like we're practicing something that mm -hmm. looks like healing or self-connection, but we're actually in the pattern. It just looks different on the outside. So the idea is to just remember that this is not a big project, on the contrary. We're trying to be humble about this. We're trying to make this very real and small steps. Just try whatever comes naturally. Don't force it. And to just carve time more and more and more time. The other, the other thing that helps is also, you know, if you're somebody who's into reading, read supportive texts. What called, you know, if you're drawn to a certain book, if you're drawn to a certain quote, there's a reason. There's a reason why you keep looking at that quote. There's a reason why you've printed that quote and hung it at your desk. There's a reason why, uh, you know, you follow certain people on Instagram. So look at what's behind that. Why is this talking to me? Look at the writer. Look at, and really give yourself those supporting elements that are going to take you further along that journey and, and speak to this journey. There's a message in there that is core for you. You know, it's around uh, connection, it's around community, it's around for women, you know, around your, your feminine, around the divine feminine. For men, it can be around, you know, the heart, emotions. You know, there's just so many things that people are drawn to, and, and there's a very good reason why. So really get curious, get curious about what, what is calling you at the moment, and that would be, can be a very big door onto the next, the next journey ahead. So that's a, that's a starting. The other thing is making choices around becoming more intentional. This, you know, social media is such a big thing for us nowadays, Netflix, all the things that we have ready at a fingertip. We sometimes need to, especially if we're trying to enter into this journey, make some choices. Why are you following this, that, and the other? And how are these things making you feel? Are these making you feel Intoxic, intoxified, you know, uh, bitter, angry, frustrated, like you're not good enough? Or are they inspiring you? Just think, if you can make a choice, let go of those that are not helping you feel better. Stick with those that are making you feel good. So it's around spring cleaning a little bit, your environment, mm -hmm. your influencers, whatever that is, the music you listen to, the news, the, you know, the things you read. It's just changing your environment to really create a space for you to, to get into that healing space. I think, you know, those are all such great and small tips. Like sometimes, like you said, we think yes. it's this huge yeah. like leap, you know, and yeah. then because we make that leap so far ahead, we will jump it and then we can't commit to it or we, we don't even try because we made that step so far ahead and we're just not doing the little baby steps. So I think that's so, so important. And and finding what works for you is really important because everyone's version, you know, the simplest of things, everyone's version of success is different. Everyone's version of peace is different. So what does that look like for you in your own self journey? And I think that's super important to take that into consideration first 
before you decide on what you're going to do um, based on someone else's version of spirituality or a well-being or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And you touched on, again, so many things. And and I wanted to ask you, you know, to, there's one question on a comeback. It's a bigger question, but I want to ask you the smaller question is you talked about support. And I think holding space is so important. It is it's like a holy grail for me, the people who are allowed to hold space for me, because those people are the people I will value, I can feel safe with, I can trust, and I know whatever is shared is held in some form of sacredness that is not going to be divulged, shared, or thrown back at me at some point, irrespective of whether that relationship or friendship lasts a lifetime or not. And I think that in itself is a huge task of its own. So what would your advice be in finding and recognizing those individuals that you should allow to hold space for you? That's such a key. I mean, it's a beautiful question. It's a difficult question. And it's something that, you know, finding your tribe is something that a lot, it's very common with, with the clients that I work with. Um, yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky because, again, it's very dependent on, on people's life and the environments they live in. You know, I, I work, some of my clients are, are female and they live in environments where they don't have the freedom really of movement and of choice uh, the way that others might in other parts of the world. So for that, you know, how do I find my tribe? It's complicated, you know. Um, so luckily, there is the virtual world, you know, for people who don't have that kind of freedom. And the virtual world starts with those people that we follow in social media, those YouTube channels that we can sit and watch we can resonate with a community that is interacting. You know, there's a lot of groups, there's Zoom meetings, there's a lot of things that are happening nowadays, especially it's been very, very enriched since COVID. You know, one of the, (laughs) if we can call it silver lining of COVID, has been this abundance that's come up online and on social media of offerings and access to other people. So for people who don't have this freedom of mobility and of choice, this this can be a great opportunity to find like-minded people. Clubhouse is also a space uh, where a lot of people are holding space uh, for different, different, in different modalities and for different kinds of needs under different banners. They can also be really supportive and communities are being built on Clubhouse. You know, thanks, thanks to those common denominators that bring certain people under one club or certain people end up, end up always meeting in one particular room. There is a common purpose there. So it is, this is a tribe of sorts that you might resonate with. The other thing is to really, you know, accept that when we are, you know, beginning a new journey and spring cleaning our life, some of our relationships are also going to go. And that is a natural process. And sometimes we might be fearful of that and worry and feel grief at imagining that some of my friendships might go. Am I going to end up without a friend, without a single friend? Because I cannot talk about any of this with any of them or because they're so driven and they're just living this completely different life. They're on it, everything's fine, seems to be fine, but I, I just can't be on that train anymore. I need a bit of a break. It can be quite daunting, but part of the journey is to start to create a place for this new tribe. And sometimes the tribe doesn't come before you've created space for them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, you have to let go to let the new come in. Yeah. And I really believe in that. There's something around, and I don't want to speak in manifestation because this term is so overly used nowadays. I'm going to manifest this. I'm going to manifest that. It mean it does mean something, but I want don't want to kind of use it too much. But it, it literally is around an energetic uh, room. You know, you have to create, 
you have to free up some of your energy, some of your time, uh, and some of your thinking from being overly used and maybe for not very useful purposes and maybe not very fulfilling relationships today to create space for the new and the new will come in its own time. And sometimes it's okay to have one or two or three people for the time being for a while. You know, the quality is really what matters when you're on this journey. So that's what's really important. And you'll find your capacity for being patient to meaningless conversations really reduce. Anyway, you really are after meaningful connections and meaningful spaces. And solitude often as well. It's important. I think um, the solitude part scares a lot of people because it means you have to truly face yourself. And sometimes we don't want to confront ourselves. Um, And we would we will intoxicate us with things like Netflix and parting and whatever else that might be because we're so scared. And sometimes we use religion as well as an intoxicating method as opposed to really looking at ourselves. Um, and, 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 you know, I'm not, I'm not saying anything's wrong with, with, with religion, but I'm just saying sometimes we use so many different things and it's really calling ourselves out for it. And in that, in that holding space, um, you know, in that holding space element, I think a lot of the time people don't recognize as well themselves in that space too. So if you expect someone to hold space for you, it is important that you are going to also be able to reciprocate that for that person. Because mm-hmm. sometimes we can think this person can hold space for me, but I actually don't want to hold space for them. And that in itself is a sign. If you don't feel like you can hold space for that person and they can hold space for you, it shows you a different sign. Maybe you're not capable, but you still will be that person's friend and you can be loyal and trustworthy. But it's being able to recognize that as well, because sometimes all relationships are a give and receive you know, and if yes. we aren't aware of that, it's really important. And and look at your value structure. It's mm. basic, I think, for me. You know, sometimes we think, oh, you know, like and and Clubhouse. We've met in Clubhouse, and I meet a lot of people on the virtual world right now. We're meeting so many people. Mm. How do you trust people? Trust is a really important important value that we sometimes don't recognize. That before we trust, we should assess. And I think that's important as well. We should really assess people and use our own discernment and watch people's actions as opposed to their words, mm-hmm. because that will show you who they really are. So I think if you're going into that space, because I know when it comes to working in trauma, when it comes to working with, with things that are so, so, so crucial to yourself and how you view yourself mm-hmm. and you share that with somebody else, A, they don't know how to hold space for you. They don't know how to respond or they share that with someone else and they violate your trust. That is it's the most horrible feeling to go through that, especially when you're in a vulnerable state dealing with certain levels of trauma. Um, so I just wanted to add that for anyone listening, you know, just really start to assess those kind of things as well and spend time alone because you are your own best friend. The yeah. moment you recognize that the, is, is when there's so much more power in your life and then there's so much more power in the relationships you choose because you recognize what value you hold for yourself. Yes. Um, and Vash, I just, just want to add one bit because you're absolutely right that it can be extremely daunting, especially mm-hmm. if you're not somebody who used to have that space, who used to run away from that solitude. And that solitude is not loneliness. Loneliness is a quality of a feeling that you might have, but solitude is just being present to yourself. Yeah. You are with yourself. You're not, you're not alone really quite like that. Yeah. But it's important to, to also allow ourselves to take it in small doses, because sometimes it can be quite overwhelming at the beginning, especially if, the, if there's a lot of stored things that have been avoided for a long time. So again, small steps, they really count, small, small. 
you can go into escapism for a bit. It's allowed as you create this um, uh, this uh, this resilience and this window of tolerance. Slowly, we start growing. You know, you really have to build this this confidence that yeah, I can hold myself more and more. But you start small. Absolutely, yeah, and. I love that you've added that in because the way we view spending time with ourselves is important. It's not loneliness, it's a choice. Um, I wanted to touch on something that I feel is really, really important. You know, um, we go through so many experiences and we experience trauma and we're wounded and nobody's without wounds in this planet, um, you know, and I think how, how would you encourage people to view their suffering and their wounds in a way that helps them to heal because people don't sometimes realize that space between the healed and the trauma and what that's like. And they don't know how to view that because sometimes it's like a weakness or I'm not good enough or all these other things come in. So what, what would you be, what would your advice be for that space in between and how you should view that space of trauma and pain? Mm. Yeah. Again, what a beautiful question. Um, you know, it, you know, trauma is a word again, you know, um, effectively and, and wounding. I like, I quite like wounding because, you know, life, you know, I say we, we go through life and life goes through us and it makes its mark on us. Joyful marks and painful marks, both. And sometimes we want to speak about this in terms of light and shadow and, and suffering and, and joy. Uh, but the point is we are feeling beings and so we will feel the whole spectrum of feelings and certain experience will leave a deeper mark on us than others and this mark might be painful. So painful at times that we'd rather not feel it and so we repress, we repress the memory, we repress the feeling and we repress it, we repress it, we repress it. But what happens is it, it acts out, it will show up in life. Unconsciously it will show up. So. You know, the way that I like to speak about this is that this really is, is your soul's journey. Those wounds, you know, this is the, the catalog of your life. This is the, the story of your life. It's made up of all of this collection of experiences and whichever trace they, they kept on you. So as long as we are honoring also the light and the beauty and the gifts and the joy and the intelligence that has been in your life so far, we can also allow ourselves to say, and some was also difficult and not so pleasant. And I might have endured, uh, you know, abuse and violence from others. And some of my trauma is not only mine, it's descendant, it belongs to my people. It belongs to my family, it belongs to my gender. You know, there is, it, there is there's so much that we each hold as individuals. It's important to understand that we're part of a system and we're part of a species we're part of a generation, we're part of a particular continent, a particular culture. We hold all of this within us. And so when we heal ourselves, we are healing all of those parts too. We're contributing to the evolution of all of that. You know, my healing of my feminine is a contribution to the healing of the, the collective feminine. My healing of my cultural roots, that's it. Whatever part I can contribute to that healing is a contribution to the healing of that, that group. You know, so for me, it's an honor to enter into this journey. Of course, it takes courage, but it's an honor. It's a privilege. And I am making a contribution. So I really like to honor people who enter into this journey and to say, I understand that shame is part of it. Suffering is part of it. Self-judgment will come in. But understand that what you're doing is of service, not just to yourself, 
you know, so they can be proud of this journey they're on, you know. And this space in between that you speak about, which you're kind of not quite there, not quite fully committed to the healing, it's kind of in between, and where you start to feel this kind of disorientation, because effectively you're letting go of some parts of yourself and entering into a new, yet-to-be-known, you know, unfoldment of, of the, next, the next phase, the next stages as you choose to become more conscious and to bring more choice to your life, that space can be quite disorientating. And that is, you know, imagine we have a, a foot in the past and a foot in the future and we're in the middle, in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. Not quite here, not quite there, somewhere in between. That, that's the journey of becoming. It's a very creative space. Yeah. You know, this is the moment of becoming. So it's to be present to that moment. because and, and this is what we do in therapy as well. It's to just be in the middle. You don't quite know. I'm not in the wound. I'm feeling it right now. But the past is gone. I'm, the, I'm not the five-year-old girl that experienced this anymore. I'm not the 15-year-old boy who, you know, experienced war or whatever. I'm not there. But the marks are in me today. I'm looking into the future. I don't quite know what's possible yet. And I'm here. So actually, we just hold the space together. And, and it's, it's difficult to, to define that space. This is why support yeah. is needed. You know, it, support is needed when this kind of deep work happens. I love that. And, and I think, you know, it's that, it's that story of the butterfly. You know, um, there's, there's a story where a little, a little boy or a person sees the butterfly in the cocoon and that they're struggling to get out. And, they, you know, they're struggling through that metamorphosis process. And this person thinks that they're helping, so they open the cocoon. Mm. And then the butterfly emerges, but it can't survive because it didn't go through the metamorphosis process in order to be strong enough. And I think that's what our journey is like. Mm. That, you know, when you start to see, I love that you said it's a beautiful process because I view it that way. Mm. And as much, there's a beautifulness in the pain. There's a beautifulness in the suffering. And when you can take that percept the, the perceptive to a higher level of seeing it that way, as opposed to holding that perception of why me, why did it happen to me? And it's a really tough space to get from why me to, oh my God, this was a beautiful experience, although it was so painful. It is a process to get there, but it is that metamorphosis process. And when you can get to that point of seeing the beauty in the pain, the beauty in the journey mm -hmm. and the beauty in that. And we, I think, you know, it's, it's also that it's not finished. It's continual. We don't just self-actualize once. We self-actualize through all these different experiences. Yes. And there's so much beauty in that because, you know, there's one of the sayings that I, I kind of like used and, and changed it to suit me. And it's like, the more I know, the less, uh, the more I learn, the less I know, mm -hmm. the more I become, the further I am away from ego. And mm -hmm. I think that's what it is. Like the more we become this true self, we forget the, the the egoic perceptions that we have and we hold a higher spiritual, um, higher self perception that, you know, if you want to take it to the religious point, it's the point where our creator, maker, whatever you want to call that, holds that version and we can, we can enlighten ourselves to that version. Um, so this yeah. has been such a beautiful, beautiful conversation. I want to have you back because I could mm -hmm. go on with this topic. Um, I want to thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your enlightenment and you know, and, and it's not just that, it's the way in which you share it that is so deep and meaningful, but so real and honest um, that I think it's so important because there's a genuineness about it. Um, and it's, you know, everyone talks about authenticity, but I think when you're really genuine about something that's from your core, 
Um, and I really, really appreciate you sharing with us in this way today. Um, and we will definitely have you on the podcast again. So thank you so much, Mahita. Um, and I'm looking forward to our next session. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And thank you said there's so much more that I want to say. Can I just add one thing? Absolutely. Because the beauty that you speak about, Nash, is really important and it can really encourage people to enter into this. And I think the beauty also is part of it, it's, it's really an experience of when we start to increasingly meet ourselves. So it's a journey of self discovery and self connection. It's an actual experience. You, when you, you just feel like, oh, something just clicked. I just, I just yeah. met myself here for a moment. The other part as well is the authenticity. Just to be authentic for a moment is something very beautiful about that. And there's something very beautiful about taking responsibility. Yes, this and this yeah. and that. It's their fault. It's his fault and that. But what yeah. part? What can I contribute? So I just leave with that. <laughs> that's that's amazing because like like you've touched on that, and I just think I also want to touch on something now because it's that accountability and responsibility part that we always look to others. And we always say this happened because that person, this person, and we get to that point and, and we need to stop and just say, okay, whatever that was outside of me, let me look internally. Mm -hmm. What was my contribution? What was my part? What did I need to learn? What did I need to heal? What did I need to expand on? What did I need to give or share? And yes. that is such a deep, deep, like space to be in. There is, we can, yes. What is going to unleash is your purpose. Yes. That is what gets unleashed. That's your contribution. Absolutely. I think God, we can go on. I know this. Yes. And, and I want to, we will, we will come back and we will talk about this more. So thank you so much. I want to make sure that our episodes are digestible for everyone. But thank you so much for listening. And if you have questions for Mahita, you're welcome to DM me. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, anything like that. The links will be posted below for both Mahita and I. Um, but yeah, if you have any further questions, do, do let me know and we can get on this topic again and we'll go deeper into this. Um, so I appreciate you so much, Mahita. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pesh.